Good morning from Christopher Creek, Arizona. I'm here at Kids Camp uh, this week, and uh, it's a recording and bringing God's Word here in the beautiful uh, northern parts of Arizona. And so we're having a great time here at Kids Camp. Uh, kids are having an awesome time uh, growing in the relationship with God, eating good food, hanging out with their friends, and doing all the rec and fun stuff. Just being kids here um, at this park. And, and so we're very excited uh, what God is doing uh, in and through them this week. And so we are continuing our series, The Church, uh, through looking through the book of Acts. So go ahead and grab your Bibles or devices. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4, starting verse 5. So Acts is in the New Testament, is the fifth book of the New Testament, the second part of the Bible. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Acts. And then go turn to, I've been talking with kids all week, so uh, the big number is uh, the chapter, so chapter 4, and then the little number is the verse, verse 5. And that is where we'll begin reading this morning. But while you're turning there, uh, let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought the term that lions are the king in the jungle is odd, uh, especially since lions don't live in jungles? You know, if you know anything about lions or even watch the movie Lion King, uh, you know they, they live in the savannah. They live in the, out in the, like, the dry parts of the area, not a lush green jungle. Um, yet they're still referred to as the kings of the jungle. And that's because kings are, or the lions are such a, a kingly animal. They have such a dominant presence. Uh, for example, their, their mane almost looks like a, they're wearing a crown. It, it actually makes them look bigger than they really are. And it just shows that they're how they are the truly the king of the area, the king of the beast, king of the jungle. Another fascinating thing about lions is that they actually live in prides. And so they have family groups of up to 40 to 50 lions together with them. And so they gather together, they hunt together, um, they do everything together, protecting one another. Um, and so it's a very neat and unique um, circumstance between lions having uh, with their prides. But one of the most fascinating things I actually learned at the Phoenix Zoo about lions is that the males roar can be heard from three miles away. How impressive is that? From three miles away, a lion can roar just to say, I am here, this is my area, stay away. Um, and it's just exploding against them. Uh, another thing about lions is that they have no natural predators. Uh, no, no animal hunts them and says, hey, I'm hungry for a lion today. It just doesn't happen. Uh, their only predators are actually man. Um, but no one eats lion. They, they are the top of the food chain there um, and living there. And so they've rightly earned the, the name king of the jungle, king of the beast, because of who they are. But a fascinating thing is that the Bible uses lions as examples for, for many different traits. So let me share a few with you. Uh, lions are explained as, as strength. Um, he talks about how Samson actually used and talks about the lion being a symbol of strength. And, and then we see throughout Proverbs, we see lions being used as an example of courage. They have the courage of a lion. Um, they talk about lions being helping one another. It's this living in the pride of together, helping each other out like a lion. They talk about lions having confidence and wisdom on being a wise and cunning animal. They, they know when to wait and be patient and when to strike and when not to. Um, they're a very wise and impatient and confident animal. But one thing I want you to point out today about lions is found actually in Proverbs 28.1. Let me read this verse to you. It says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. You see, lions are known, known for their bold actions. When they come in and they attack, they don't hold back. They go all in for what they're doing. And just like a lion, we see the same boldness in the early church through the disciples or apostles. See, when they came and they shared their faith, they were boldly proclaiming 
about the works in life and ministry of Jesus. See, the book of Acts is actually the, the Acts of the Apostles. And from story after story, um, account of account, is just the bold actions and the words of the early church. So we've been in talking about the last two weeks about the same example, same thing, and we're, we're going to continue on the last part um, about this man being healed, this crippled man being healed. So let me recap the past two Sundays for us. Um, so in Acts chapter 3, we find Peter and John headed to the temple to pray. And they come across this beggar who has been crippled and lame since birth. He, he says he's over 40 years old, and every day he is carried to the temple, set in front of this gate, to ask for money. And as Peter and John are walking towards him, they come and he says, you know, he asks for alms. He asks for money, a handout. And what Peter looks at him and says, look at us here. And it's like he's saying, look, we are mere men like you. And I don't have gold and I don't have silver, but what I do have, I will give to you. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he reaches down, grabs his hand, pulls him up, and the man is instantly healed. The scripture says that through the powerful name of Jesus and through the man's faith in the name of Jesus, he's instantly healed. And so he found physical healing, but he found more importantly, spiritual healing. He found being right place with God. And then as people began to see this man who they'd known as a, a crippled, as someone being lame their entire life, they see him leaping and jumping all around. The crowd begins to gather and Peter takes this opportunity to proclaim and preach the gospel. He comes, and that's where uh, Dr. David Johnson shared with us last week that Peter's sermon is, is all about Jesus. See, the message that we want to have in a cross to be able to say that the word of God, everything that we have is all about Jesus. He talks about how Jesus is glorified by God, but he was also rejected by the people. And then this was predicted by the prophets, and it became a fulfillment of God's promise for all of this to take place. And what we have to do and respond to this, the action that David Johnson gave to us was, what is our response to the gospel? As followers of Christ, are we going to go and share and proclaim the gospel to others? Or are we going to keep it to ourselves? Are we going to allow Jesus to be magnified with everything that we do or say? Or are we going to stay just to ourselves and not share with anybody else? And so he encourages this. And after this takes place, after Peter preaches this amazing message, Scripture says that the, the church, the temple leaders, the church leaders, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees um, came. And the scripture says they were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. See, these leaders had good reasons to be annoyed because scripture tells us that where 5,000 men came to be saved. You see, when they were coming here and, and hearing the gospel for the very first time, hearing that that the very person that they had crucified on the cross was actually the promised savior that they had heard about their entire life through the Old Testament, came to redeem them. They gave their lives to Jesus and they left the path towards destruction and began to walk newness of life found only through the gospel of Jesus. And the, the church leaders being annoyed with this arrested Peter and John. They arrested them and they kept them overnight. And that is where our passage picks up this morning. So read with me again, Acts chapter four, starting in verse five. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander. And all were her were part of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, but what power and by what name did you do this? 
Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, and there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated common men, and they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it, but in order that they may not spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Listen to this. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them, because the people were all praising God for what had happened. For the man who was the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. See, our passage is a call to all followers of Christ to be bold in our faith through our actions and our words. See, God has a distinct calling that he wants us not to shy away from what he has called us to, but he wants to boldly step into, boldly present ourselves and be and rest in the power of Jesus. See, faith is defined this way in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. See, we have a great hope in Jesus. And we may not be able to see all the things that are working on, but we have faith in knowing that God is working and doing so many mighty things even we can't comprehend. And the entire passage of chapter 11 of Hebrews is kind of the hall of fame of faith, those who lived by faith in the Bible. It accounts for the people of the Old Testament and over and over again it says, by faith they did this, by faith they did this. And what it really shows out to us and really points out to us that these, these people had the opportunities to live not by faith. They had the opportunities to shy away, to, to not step in and embrace and follow God. But they're celebrated and honored in this passage, this chapter of Hebrews 11, because they did live by faith. They did choose to honor God and trust God and trust in his sovereignty. You see, Peter and John were brought to this meeting with all level, kinds of levels of leadership including four men who are part of the high priestly family, which is, is a huge role within Jerusalem. And these men were probably a part of the same group who had Jesus crucified. Yet, when they are questioned, by what power or what by name did you do this? See, Peter and John had the opportunity to just step back, to be scared, to not answer and say, hey, just, we're sorry, and just back away. But what was different about this time? You see, because Peter had denied Jesus before. It, it wouldn't be like it's the first time that he would deny Jesus. He denied him three times before Jesus was crucified. Right after he said he would go to death 
in the name of Jesus. He denied him. We know that later on, Peter is going to be called out by Paul for being a hypocrite between the Gentiles and the Jews. So we know that there's a struggle here with Peter at different times. So why in this moment is he so bold in his words to these men who can cause him great harm and hurt him and keep him arrested? It's because he relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. He had faith in that God was going to work through him. And he said, even if he doesn't, I will still boldly speak the truth. See, when we rest on faith, when we rest in knowing that God is working in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our what we lack, but he works through us and allows us and gives us opportunities to proclaim his name, to share his love with others, that is when we are boldly living by faith. You see, Peter was relying on the power of Jesus. And throughout the entire chapter uh, 11 of Hebrews, we see how these men relied on the power of God and they had their faith in this and gave them the power to, the opportunity to not live by faith, but they stepped into being faithful for what God had called them to. And it's a call to you and I to, to live in the same manner, to boldly step out and live by faith. And it's affirmed in actually Hebrews 12 verses one and two that says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great of a cloud of witnesses, that's the people all around us, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, anything that's holding us back, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand throne of God. See, Jesus is our founder and our perfecter of our faith. See, he is the foundation. And as, as Peter said in our text, he is the cornerstone of our faith, is what we base our faith on. So we don't base our faith on our own strengths, our own abilities. We base it on the powerful work of Jesus. We base it on knowing that God has called us to greater things because of what Jesus has done, not what we've done, but what he has done and what he is enabling us to do through him. And we live out and we step in faith. Because the reality is, just like we see here with these church leaders, there is people still rejecting Jesus today. And they are, we are called as followers of Christ to boldly step out and to share his love. See, I love that Peter said, let it be known. Let it be known by my words and my actions that the man who was healed through Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, he is our rock and our foundation in all things. And there is salvation in no one else. And to be saved, you must place your faith in Jesus. And the question, the challenge that I have for you and I, do we believe this to be true? Do we believe Peter when he says there is salvation in no one else? And there is no other name under heaven given among men that we must be saved. It is only through Jesus. Do we believe Jesus's words when he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, if we truly believe this, if we truly believe that there is no other way to have a relationship with God, to enter into heaven, to be saved from our sins, except through Jesus, then what is causing us to hold back? What causes people to say, well, I believe Jesus was a good teacher, but I don't know if he was God. See, C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, uh, has a great quote about this. And it's a little long, but I want to read it for us this morning. It says this, I am trying to prevent anyone saying a, the really foolish thing that people often say about him, about Jesus. 
I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the only, that is the one thing that we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said sort of the things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You cannot shut him up for a fool. You can't even spite him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. See, we either could accept Jesus as Lord and Savior that he claimed to be, or we have to reject him as a liar or a lunatic. There, there is no other option. If we truly believe that Jesus is the only way, the only way to have a relationship with a holy God and to be saved from our sins is to have a loving Savior sacrifice himself, taking on the penalty and the consequences of our sin so that we can have a relationship once again with God. See, if you're here today and you're listening to this and you want to know more about what it takes to have a relationship with Jesus, what it, the next step you need to take in your spiritual journey, uh, I would love for you to reach out to us here at the church. Uh, the two ways to reach out to us is go to our website and fill out our contact form or to grab your device and text the word changing to 94000. That's changing to 94000. There is no greater conversation than you could have as a person than one about your salvation, about your eternity in heaven. We want to help you with that. And so please reach out to us about this. And for those of us who already believe Jesus to be our Lord and Savior of the world, we are called to be bold in our faith through our actions and our words. See, Peter and John did not give into intimidation or fear, but they began stepping into the opportunity to minister to a person in need. And then they took the opportunity to share the gospel to the thousands that were there using their actions of the miraculous healing as support. And then even when they were arrested and they were brought in front of the same people who had Jesus crucified, they proclaimed the gospel even to them. And then when they are threatened to not speak about Jesus, this was their response. Look at verse 19 with me. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. They cannot but speak about the love and the gospel of Jesus. And so far, they have, shout, they have shared the gospel with the exact same people who shouted, crucify him. They have shared the gospel to people who not only heard about Jesus and, and, and people may have never experienced him, but they went and shared the gospel with people who had no experience with Jesus at all. And then they have shared the gospel with the very men who handed Jesus over to Rome to be hung on a cross. And what has been the result of their bold actions? What has been the result of the faithful works that they have done by proclaiming his love and his truth upon up to 10,000 people? have been saved. 10,000 people have been saved by the faithful and bold preaching of the gospel and the sharing of the gospel to people. Again, the opposition that they faced was far greater than anything you and I could ever face, yet they did not hesitate or hold back. See, we're encouraged in James 1, 22 that says this, 
but be doers of the word, not just hearers, only deceiving yourselves. I heard this description explained one time that can you imagine if Sunday worship is is like a huddle of a football game? See, we, we came, we come on Sunday and, and imagine how disappointing a football game would go if you came and you bought these tickets and you get your seats, you're, you got great seats, you're on the 50-yard line watching ready and the both teams come out and they just sit there and they huddled and they huddled and they huddled and then they went back to the locker rooms and they came back out and they huddled. They never actually got to the game. They actually never played a single thing, never threw the ball one time, no touchdowns, nothing. They just sat there in their group and discussed the plan. See, Sunday morning is a football huddle for me and you. See, we come together, we gather together with other like-minded people, other followers of Christ. We gather together and we refocus on what we, our plan is, what our goal is, our, our calling together. We're encouraged, we're, we're pumped up, and we refocus ourselves on what is the gameplay. And then after we are done, we break from the huddle. We are sent out to go share what we have learned, share what we have been refocused to, to boldly go and share the gospel where we live, work, and play. See, God did not call you and I to live in a huddle. God has called us to go out and play the game. He wants us to go out and share the love of Jesus. See, as a church, our mission is this leading every generation to life-changing hope of Jesus. That requires you and I to be bold in our faith in Jesus and to share the gospel through our actions and our words. See, after Peter and John were arrested, they went back and they met with their friends to report of what had happened. And then they, they stopped and they prayed for boldness. And so as I close our service today as we close the message this morning i want to pray the same prayer over us god has called you and i to be bold in our faith he's called us to go out and to share his love with, with without any hesitation without any fear or intimidation see we are at a time and a place in our life and our culture that is getting more difficult to stand up for our faith and I implore you, follow God's word, follow the example of the apostles and the disciples to step out in faith, boldly share your love, be bold as a lion, step out in what God has called us to do. Will you pray with me? Reading the prayer that the disciples prayed over them for boldness. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against the anointed. For truly in the city, they, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants, grant us, God, to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Father, allow us to be bold like the disciples. Allow us to not be held back or intimidated by fear 
or anything else, but let's faithfully share the life-changing hope of Jesus with every generation. In Jesus' name, amen.